Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF, and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby, and we've both been trying for a baby for a really long time, and neither of us is currently pregnant. Hi guys, how are you doing? to episode 12. 12. 12. 12. 12. What was that? It's my Welsh. (laughs) Why Welsh? Because the best way to say certain numbers is in Welsh. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know that. You should give it a go. Uh, I won't right now. Okay. Um, But that's great. I'm really pleased I know that. (laughs) Shout out to all our Welsh listeners. Let us know what you think of Emma's accent. (laughs) Please don't. Don't hold back. (laughs) So, um, points of information. Yeah. We've... I really am a bit worried that we've stumbled on quite contentious debate. I mean, it's heating up, isn't it? I, I'm not going to say I felt personally threatened last week. <laughs> I felt our lives were in danger. Yeah. <laughs> or someone's lives were in danger. Um, the bum versus vag debate rages <clears throat> on. Dum, dum, dum. I, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> I've got to say, guys, like, A... I had no idea it was so contentious. B, like, people are very protective of their chosen hole. Yeah. Yeah. And you would be, wouldn't you? I suppose you would be. <laughs> um, please, I mean, keep keep telling us why you put your pessaries where. Do we have the percentages from the story you did on Instagram? I, I think it was about um, 75-25. Which, which way? Vagina. Okay. Yeah. Because... There were lots of bums. And also, I find it quite interesting. Some people were saying you do one one day, one the next. Switch yeah. around to stop them getting a ball sore. Mm. Uh, fair enough. It sounds like a good option for me. Yeah, I mean, if you get pregnant, I guess you've got 12 weeks of that. So yeah. you may you may want to just switch it up. Yeah, exactly. For fun. Oh, God. Just yeah. for shits and giggles. Um, if you don't know what we're talking about, Please listen to our previous episode. Yes. Otherwise, things might be confusing. Go back and listen. <laughs> um, yeah. And otherwise. Yeah. I got some useful information about my luteal phase defect okay. question. So, yeah. obviously, I, anyone that listens to last week's episode will know that I was a bit confused following my doctor's appointment. 
and the wonderful Katie Lindemann, aka Uber Barons Club. Literally the most knowledgeable person I know. Oh my lord, she really is a font of knowledge. Mm-hmm. Well, she got in touch to tell me why the doctor was suggesting that I went on Clomid. Because I was like, why are you saying Clomid? What's going on? I've got no problem with ovulating. Turns out, because Clomid gives you like a super, super plus ovulation... That means that your follicles are really super juicy and that they produce more progesterone, which is obviously okay. what supports your luteal phase. So more progesterone means it'll be longer. And that's okay. why they were suggesting going on it. Oh, thanks, Katie. Yeah. So this week we are talking about doing IVF abroad. Yes. Yeah. So um, we are speaking to some friends of a friend of mine, mm-hmm. uh, Catcher and Oscar. And uh, we're also uh, speaking to their one year old twins. One-year-old IVF twins. IVF twins. Um, bit of a trigger warning. They they are present throughout are. the interview. Little Wolf and Mara, Wolf and Mara, who are absolutely gorgeous and we had a really fun time with, but they really wanted to make themselves known, yeah. like let everybody know that IVF success stories do exist. Yes. I'm, I was quite impressed at such a young age that they were really championing the cause. They were, they were very articulate. Very articulate. Um, lots of banging of phones on tables and, yeah. and gurgling. Yeah, lots of gurgling. There's no screaming. There's just, um, there's just like making themselves known. And, uh, you know... Obviously, we're all at different stages in this. If you can't deal with that, just skip. Yeah. Um, because they're definitely there. Yeah. But if you can, then Katya and Oscar have some really, really good information about doing IVF abroad. Yes. So, so you they, should listen. Yeah, they did IVF in Greece mm-hmm. and their story is really interesting. So it's worth listening to if you can deal with ambient baby noise. Yeah. Absolutely. And then you spoke to Professor Tim. Uh, Yes, I spoke to Professor Tim Child, Medical Director at Oxford Fertility, about exercise and specifically running and whether or not that is safe when you're hashtag TTC. Okay, cool. And we'll talk more about that later in the show, I guess. Absolutely. Sweet. Um, And until then, please, A, keep your tips coming to us because we asked for some IVF tips last week and a load of people sent us stuff and it was really interesting and super helpful. Yeah. Um, And we're going to talk about that a little bit more next week. Um, But please keep them coming because we just, you know, the more you've got, the more... Yeah, we've got a little bank together. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, if you could please subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to them. Yes. And also rate and review them. Yeah. Because it brings us endless joy. And it helps other people to find the podcast. More exactly. importantly, Gabs. That's not more important. As well, importantly. As important. As importantly. <laughs> um, and um, follow us on all the socials. So Instagram. At Big Fat Negative. Twitter. At Big Fat Negative. Facebook. Big Fat Negative. And then you can email us. Big Fat Negative Podcast at gmail.com. Please enjoy the show. Enjoy it, guys. Bye. Bye. Gabs, how's your week been? Hey, it's been good. Thank you. Yeah. Not bad. Can't complain. Cool. Yeah. What have you been up to? Well, uh,. As you all know, I'm kind of provisionally booked in to start IVF in January, Woohoo! which has led me, in no uncertain terms, down a IVF rabbit hole. Oh, yay. Oh, yeah. I've been reading and watching and reading more and listening and buying over oh. the weekend. How much money have you spent? Oh, I, I don't want to even think okay. about it. Loads. Um, so, yeah, uh, well, I started reading It Starts With The Egg. A classic. Mm, a classic, exactly. Uh-huh. Everyone's been recommending it. Okay. I'd like to start, if I can, with the cover. 
Okay. Which I find kind of offensive. What's on the cover? Oh, Please describe it for us. It's a Photoshop image of a real baby emerging out of a half egg. What, like a chicken egg? Yeah, like a chicken egg. Okay. Um, which, I mean, I just, it's it's not to my taste, I don't think. Is that where we've been going wrong, that we're not producing chicken eggs? Chicken eggs. Yeah, maybe. I haven't laid an egg, ever. <laughs> I've never laid an egg either. And I tell you what, no fully sized babies ever emerged from one either. <laughs> I just, it's just not nice to look at. I don't, Okay. I'm not, I'm not into it. I think she could have done something, something really nice illustratively. Okay. That would have been a bit easier on the eye. Easier to pull out on the tube as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, less creepy. Um, I mean, I don't want to be critical, but um, I'm sorry, Rebecca, if she's listening to this. Okay. Uh, but it is a good book, so mm-hmm. yeah. Um, I put on social media that I was reading it and I got quite a lot of feedback from people. Oh, yeah. Just saying, like, take it with a bit of a pinch of salt because if you try and do everything in the book, you'll go a bit crazy. Ah. Yeah. So like what? What's it recommend? Well, okay, so the the main interesting thing that I've taken from it so far, and I haven't read it all, I, I must confess, mm-hmm. um, is that um, a common misconception is that you can't do anything to improve the quality of your eggs. Okay. But actually, your eggs start to develop in the kind of three months prior to ovulation. So mm-hmm. actually, your behaviour in those three months can, can affect the development of the eggs. Uh-huh. There you can do things that will help it, and you can obviously do things that will damage the eggs uh-huh. I guess to a degree so that's pertinent for me being three months out oh yeah yeah so I'm like oh, oh Merry okay. Christmas mate take heed um so yeah it's kind of obvious stuff like drop back on the booze caffeine refined carbohydrates mm-hmm. all my favorite things yeah um and yeah so everyone's been like do what you can don't try to do everything it'll drive you mad okay but one thing I have kind of taken on board is something called CoQ10. CoQ10, that sounds like um, one of those made-up beauty treatments that you see on TV. Well, we're calling it COC10 in our house, <laughs> so take from that what you will. COC10, apparently it's an enzyme which you find in most cells in the body. And if you take this supplement, it can help your cells in building themselves. So that's great. Eggs and sperm. Okay. So, so is yeah. Mr. Gabby on this as well? Well, I've ordered myself some arrived today. Okay. Not on it yet, mate. But but you put a thing on Insta, didn't you, saying like, is there anything, any reason I shouldn't take it? And did you get any responses to that? No. So I've okay. got loads of responses of people just saying, yeah, we take it really good. Like, I don't think anyone can say categorically whether or not it's had an effect. But people mm-hmm. were saying we took it and we got really good quality eggs. So okay. And that their nutritionists and doctors had advised them to take it. All right. So yeah, awesome. So I've got some in my bag. Cool. Uh, one Let's thing pop people some now pop it now. Yeah. yeah. One thing people were saying was that try and get the one with ubiquinol. Now that's definitely made up, right? That's like unobtainium. Uh- <laughs> ubiquinol, it's everywhere. Well, it's unobtainium for me because I don't think it's the one that's in my <laughs> packet. <laughs> Unfortunately, I've bought the wrong bloody one. But um, yeah, so it looks fine anyway. It looks legit. Cool. So I'll be taking that. Okay, great. Um, yeah, other than that, that's what I've taken from the book. Okay. And that's, uh, it starts with the egg by Rebecca Fett, for anyone who's not familiar. Cool. Um, I have not read that. Yeah. God, I was so naive when I started IVF. I was just like, I'll just do what the doctor says. Yeah, well, the doctors don't say anything, do they? No. So it's 
bloody useless. They're like, anyway. don't take copious amounts of cocaine and lay off the heroin and you'll be fine. Yeah, which I'm sure you were more than happy to oblige. I, yeah, I was off the heroin that month. <laughs> Um, in other Crazy Gabby IVF um, preparation, mm-hmm. I've also bought, and this is something I never thought I'd hear myself say, a moon cup. <gasps> Gosh. Yep. This is another one uh, someone wrote in to advise us. She, um, oh, yeah, the tampons are evil thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we all know that they've got toxicity in them. We've been t- told that for years, right? Yeah. Um, but Although I- doctors are kind of like, shut up. Really? Yeah. Oh, well. Sorry. Well, okay, so there's double reason to take mm-hmm. to use a moon cup, right? Because it's good for the environment as well, because you're not throwing tampons. Yeah, well, yes, in that's the bin, a very good Which reason. is also hideous. Mm-hmm. So I've been kind of reluctant to try it, but I've I've done it. I've got one. I haven't used it yet. Okay. Even though I got my period last week. <laughs> um, I ordered it at the same time, but I haven't ventured okay. into, or I haven't had it venture into me yet. Well, I, I look forward to an update because it's actually, I've been thinking about it for environmental reasons for years and years. Yes, yeah. And never got around to it. So. And then every, every like, practitioner that I've seen has been like, stop using tampons. And I've been like, mm-hmm. mm. have you tried running with a sanitary towel in? It's oh, not good. Exactly. So yeah. hopefully this is a, a good option. Cool. I also read uh, down the rabbit hole, people use moon cups to try and get pregnant. Uh. Like, this is one of those crazy forum things. What? Maybe. Oh my god! Please tell me that they get their husbands to jizz into the moon cup. No, <laughs> and then just shove it up there and like jump around or something. Not exactly, but not far off. Oh my god! People, they put it in after sex to stop the sperm from falling back out. That afterwards, is amazing to, to reduce loss. Um and <gasps> oh, yeah, that's so great. There's like loads of women on there going like, yeah, I tried it and like, boom, I got pregnant. But surely, once it's reached the point where it's going to fall out of you. That's yeah. not gonna. That's not gonna head up into the womb. That's not like gonna get up into the cervix. Well, I can hear Professor Tim's voice in my head yeah. now, being like, "No," <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. I'm not gonna try that. Though. That's that's off the menu. <laughs> oh my god! Definitely not. We happening. be crazy. We be crazy. Totally. Oh. Um, and the only other thing that's been on my Gabby's crazy list is I, w- I watched Private Life, which is... Oh, so I want to watch that now. Do you? Yeah, because I said before, we did have a discussion about it and I yeah. said I couldn't handle it. But now I want to watch it. Well, yeah, it's... I haven't finished it, actually. I've watched most of it. And what I would say is it's quite realistic and could be quite triggering in okay. certain ways. Mm-hmm. Like relationships with friends... Oh yeah, um, and and the kind of their relationship as a couple. There's like a quite a realistic argument scene in it, where okay. I was like, "Oh my god, that is exactly something I would say." Um, so yeah, there are parts of it that could be a bit oh, oh. for people. Okay, yeah, like the protagonist's friend behind her back is like, "Oh yeah, they're fertility addicts." Talking about the couple, and you're Shut like, up. "Oh, cringe." Yeah, I hope no one's saying that behind my back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Definitely on my list then. Yeah, I'm going to give it a watch. It's, I think it's a good thing that it's out there. Okay. Um, but yeah, just a warning, it, isn't, it is a bit depressing and could be quite triggering. Okay, well maybe me and John will um, spend an afternoon mm. snuggled up on the sofa, drinking Ooh. wine and crying. <laughs> exactly, good job. Cool. Uh, so that's my uh, weekly roundup. Mm-hmm. Emma, how are you? Well, I'll start with the shittest of the shit news, which was last week when we were talking, I was fairly sure that the 
cycle was cancelled but I wasn't 100% sure but now it's it's cancelled guys it's completely Mm. cancelled um I had that appointment on Thursday so in the appointment before where we'd made that appointment Mm. we'd sat with the doctor and she'd gone come on come on Wednesday actually no come on Thursday like that and we'd both been there and listened to her say that and I put it in my diary when we were sitting there and then I rocked up on Thursday. Well, first of all, I rocked up two hours before the appointment to check the time of the appointment. And they went, oh, yeah, it's two o'clock. So I went and had a nice, lo- lovely lunch. Oh, really? Came back at mm, quarter to two, because I'm always early. Um, said to the guy, got an appointment at two. He, like, spent a little bit of time looking and then was like, yeah, yeah, yeah go through. And then sat there for an hour now, normally, after half an hour, I'll go and be like, hey, what's going on? Mm. Um, hey, guys, over here. Yeah. Hi, hi. But because the consultant had told us that it would take a little bit longer because she double booked us in, I was like, okay, well, I'll wait an hour. Mm. Got to an I'm hour. Patient. Yeah. I was I was being really patient, like, unusually patient. You see the halo of your head now. Yeah. Um, and after an hour, I was like, I'll just go and check because this is a bit ridiculous. Mm. And John was like, oh, Emma, you're so impatient. And I was like, ah, I'll just go and check. An hour is a long time. Yeah. So I went and saw the guy and was like, hey, we haven't been seen yet. And he was, he like looked at the the appointment list again. And was like, oh, actually your appointment was for yesterday. And I was like, what are you talking about? Are you joking? And obviously, like somebody got confused somehow. And I just burst into tears there and then. I just cried at the guy. I've cried at him twice now and I feel really bad. And he knows me. He's called Dom. He's nice. Oh, wow. He knows me for being the crier. Well, look, Dom's got to take it, right? Yeah. Somebody made a snafu and it wasn't good. I think it's probably an IT system snafu, but the most like embittering thing is that they're going to blame me, aren't they? They're going to be like, oh, she got it wrong. Well, no, because you went in and checked ahead of the appointment. Yeah. That's ridiculous. Anyway. Who else is going to do that? Yeah, I do that kind of thing. Yeah. I tried to ring them. They hadn't answered. You're just being thoughtful. I was being thoughtful. Anyway, so we finally basically sit there for ages and ages and ages. And the receptionists are rushing around trying to get me in with a consultant, which is really great of them. And thanks, guys. Um, And I end up with my consultant that I've been seeing all this time. And she's she's nice. And I will forever be grateful to her for spotting the fact that I had a hydrous cell pinks on the Mm. other tube. Um, and getting me in and getting me surgery but she's quite like a machine and because we were sandwiched between two of her patients she obviously wanted me in and out as quickly as possible right yeah so every question I asked her she was like no we don't do that here no why would that be a problem and like I'd be like I don't know I told her that I'm scared of estrogen and she was like why it's a natural part of your body your body produces that why is that a problem Really, just right. like really quickly okay. and um and stuff like so a few people had suggested ideas here in order to improve my lining and one of them was a very gentle stim cycle which apparently makes your lining good and I was like could we do that and she was like why would we do that and I was like because it's supposed to make your lining good and she was like no we don't do that here the only time you would do that is if you weren't ovulating and I was like but but I I've heard it's good and she was like no Right. Um, so it was quite like, I felt quite shut down. Yeah, I think, I feel like you went in there as well, kind of needing someone to give you yeah. some time. Yeah, and exactly. And help you through it, because you were already 
gutted yeah. to have missed your chance yeah so for the really... third time oh, so you needed, you needed some love and attention really yeah so it's really stressful and uh, it just reminds me again of like what the nhs is like and it's just so there's no like they they want to help but they just don't really have the time mm. and they're also you know i think there's this idea of why are you looking stuff up on the internet yeah like why are you trying to say you know i'm the professional here yeah, but I just—it's very hard to argue with because they are professionals and they know what they're doing. Yeah. So anyway, we're going to do next month. Um, we're not going to do Bucerolin. We're just going to do estrogen and then progesterone. Right. Um. So a semi-medicated. Yeah, that kind of vibe. Um. So we're just going to hit the estrogen hard. I think they're putting me on way more estrogen than I was on last time. Okay. So, like, I think last time I was on four milligrams a day plus patches, and now I'm going to be on, like, eight plus patches. So... Have they upped that in a kind of attempt to improve your lining? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Um, So I'm going to be crazy. And I'm a bit worried because it actually makes me quite crap at my job. Mm. Like, it makes me... Um, miss things and I'm an editor I have to edit and so I'll be like looking at some like quite complicated story and just miss mistakes and stuff Mm. so I'm gonna have to sit down with my boss and be like look here's the deal yeah I'm going crazy sorry I'm going to be completely ineffective for a couple of weeks yeah and after that hopefully I'll be pregnant so baby brain (laughs) (laughs) completely ineffective from here on in basically essentially you've lost me for a year hopefully mate that's not true you're very good at your job (laughs) and I'm sure you'll be fine you'll crack on and it'll be okay thanks but also talking of work um I was going through my holiday allocations today because I was trying to figure out like how much I need to save for the next round Mm. because they my company asked you to take holiday yeah um and I was trying to figure out like how much I'd had and I realised I've had two weeks more holiday than most years this year because I had two weeks between jobs and yet of all that time off that I've taken I have spent five days actually having fun and the rest has been medical stuff like it's all been IVF or surgery related Except for the half day that I took for John's surgery. Oh, God. <laughs> Mate, that's so crap. It just really sucks. <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, it's just, I'm so... I, like, I wondered why I felt so tired this year, and yeah, that's basically yeah, it. Yeah, I haven't had a break. I haven't had a break at all. That's shit. That's shit. That's shit. So, yeah, but then, on a better note... Um, so again, we're recording this two weeks ahead of time, so this will have been a while ago, but we went to the Scream for IVF rally, which was the Fertility Network's um, rally to get a debate in Parliament about providing three free rounds three free rounds of IVF for everyone. Yeah. And it was awesome. Well, I when you say we went, I rocked up after the rally had finished and everyone was in the pub. Yeah. So I but missed the actual too. important bit. But we met some really nice people. And it just again, it was really nice to just talk about this like it was normal. Yeah, well, it was um, it was great just to meet people that we know from Instagram. Mm. 
yeah. and in real life, which yeah. is really nice. A uh, bit awkward that you know everyone by their Instagram name, yeah. their real name. So when you find yourself in a pub asking if anyone wants a drink, it's kind of weird. Yeah. But it was re- like, I was really pleased to meet people and it, they're all lovely, yeah. as expected. My mum rocked up and started grilling everyone. Yes. Yeah. Mama BFN. Yeah, and then at the rally, um, Anya Sizer, who was on episode, I think, two of this podcast yeah. um, from the Fertility Network, her husband and her daughter, whose name is Hope, oh, wow. both t- both spoke, which was really kind of quite emotional. That's quite cool, isn't it? Yeah, and then Jessica Hepburn, who's written quite a lot about infertility, did a reading and I like I cried and I, I looked around and I saw like four people all wiping their eyes oh. so if you your next book should be her like it's yeah really powerful stuff okay really powerful oh I yeah I was gutted because it started at five and I don't finish right till six so I managed to mm. screech into the yeah. pub sweating at like quarter to seven having missed all the action <laughs> I felt a bit ropey the next morning I've got to say yeah it was um it was a joyous occasion yeah <laughs> yeah my two glasses of wine yeah, too much. that's your limit, isn't it, really? Yeah, it really is. Mm. Well, it was very nice. Um, I enjoyed it a lot as well. Yeah. Next. Mate, you've also, um, you've dyed your hair. Oh, I have dyed my, I've got rid of my fucking roots. <laughs> so I've, I like, I bleached my hair and I've been bleaching it for 14 years and those chemicals are pretty strong. Yeah. So I hadn't done anything with my roots for four months and they were about four inches long. They were huge. They were good, but you were rocking it in a kind of grungy kind of way. Thanks, It mate. suited you. Um, now I've gone to kind of beautiful blonde locks again, yeah. and I love it. I'm so happy. I looked in the mirror at work this morning and was like, my hair is so lovely. <laughs> <laughs> What's the deal with dyeing your hair? Like, are you supposed to avoid it? Well, I mean, again, if you speak to a like doctor, they'll be like shut up but the thing is that bleach like it literally gives me chemical burns on my scalp mm. every time um so I just think I shouldn't stress my body like that yeah I just don't think I should and I probably wouldn't die diet in the first trimester either no okay. so yeah I just think but I'm not like never dying it again no mate it's no. your look it's your signature look it's, yeah but also like my hair's such a crap color underneath it's like mouse colored Oh no, I mean, having seen your roots, uh, it's nice. Yeah, whatever. Oh, well, prefer the bleach. <laughs> okay, so we are here with the wonderful Katja and Oscar, who are actually really good friends with one of my great friends, but who we've never, we've never actually met. So it's wonderful to be here, and I'm very pleased for them to come on the podcast. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Thank you. Thanks. <laughs> So we, you guys are a rare IVF, not a rare, you're an IVF success story. We are. That's very exciting. Tell it us. is. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just We've trying to stop a child from... two wee babies here with us, so if you hear some baby noises, yeah, it's little Wolf and... Mara. Mara. And Wolf guys. is trying to take the microphone. That's okay. Like, we encourage um, play, work-based play <laughs> on this podcast. Um, so... You, the reason we're here and the reason we're talking to you both is because you both decided to go abroad for IVF. You went and you went to Athens. Yeah. Um, so I guess we always ask people who come on this podcast first, tell us about your journey. It's such a long journey. <laughs> it's so long. Where do we start, Oscar? At the beginning. <laughs> okay. So we did the two years 
Yeah, it's about a year and a half. Actually, yeah. My doctor was nice. He'll say, he said, we'll say it's two years. It was at year two that we months. finally started, then we did the IVF, wasn't it? No, it's about 18 months. Oh, he knows better yeah, than me then. Yeah. Well, 18, <laughs> 18 months, we started doing all the sort of first round of tests with, you know, your sperm tests and your egg tests and whatever. I can't really remember the first amount of tests, all the blood tests and mm-hmm. everything else that goes with it. The fun bit. Um, the fun bit. And, fun. Uh, do you, I mean, do you want to say what the problem was? Low ovarian reserve, had low ovarian which is very reserve. common. One of the doctors turned around to us at the clinic and actually said, don't worry, don't bother doing IVF, you'll be wasting your time. No, he did say, there's no point in you doing it, yeah. yeah. What? Why One of the doctors in the hospital. In the NHS hospital. Where we actually ended up having our babies. Which is kind of ironic. Anyway, so then they <laughs> kind of said, okay, well, let's get you in to, to do it. If you insist. If you insist. But they very much uh, rushed us through the process. They didn't prep us at all. They said, come in next month and we'll start giving you the drugs. Uh, there was no kind of further investigation into, or uh, a further process into what sort of might have given us more success. They kind of sort of had almost written us off before we'd even started. I mean, this is a discussion that we have almost every week yeah, on this sure. podcast because... We just you you meet people who are like I didn't really understand what I was doing. Like, no, we had no idea. Had no idea. They just say here's some drugs, go home, do some injections, yeah. let's see what happens. Yeah, yeah. It was probably another two another two full. It was actually another two full years before we were like right, let's give science another go. After another two years of trying unsuccessfully, and as you know, you go through that monthly emotional roller coaster of is it going to be this month. Uh, the two, you know, trying up to the ovulation and then the two weeks of hoping and then the disappointment and then, the, you know, then the sort of, and each work, you know, each month, the depression cycle gets a little deeper. So we got to a point where, and then this is, we were, how old were we at the time? We were probably in our mid thirties by now, so about 35, 36. And then we were like, okay, let's give science another go. So we started going round... We had to remortgage first, didn't we? Get yeah. a bit more money. Yeah. yeah. So then you start going round all the IVF clinic and then we finally oh, yeah. uh, settled on to go through... Um, I just felt like we spent half our life there, to be honest, and rinsed out half our money. I think we spent about £13,000 there in um, for two... No, one and a half cycles? Yeah. One well, I say one and a half because one was cancelled. Uh, when you're already, you know, halfway in it and spending all the money on the drugs and what have you. But you go in there and we were told that, oh, it's a, um, you know, your, your, your body's blocking it and you need to have this test done. So we spent two and a half thousand pounds on a blood test. Chicago the, test. The Chicago test. No, no, they, to be fair though, they didn't push that. I'd heard about it from other people who had success, so yeah. I pushed it, but they didn't exactly say it's unlikely you need it. Um, so, but yeah. again, it was another one of those things that you'd kind of, someone said, oh, you've got to try this, so you'll, you'll give it a go. Um, or, oh, have you tried this? And you think, oh, no, I haven't, so maybe we'll look into that. To be honest with you, they didn't cater to our problem. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. 
So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. They weren't. They they weren't specific to. We knew what our problem was, and the more you go into into the length of time that you've been doing IVF, the more you'll research it, and the more you'll you'll look into it. And I almost felt towards the end of it that we were more knowledgeable than oh I than mean, the doctors. Seriously, the doctors. well, yeah, because that's uh, how we ended up in Greece. And basically, they with um, low ovarian reserve, you're producing a really small number of eggs uh, in each cycle. But so they the were, chances of there being good ones are yeah, really low. Yeah, slim. And they were stimming Katia really high doses of drugs. So frazzling uh, my eggs. And then no. straight after, straight after, you know, em, you know, they took them out, then they would do the embryo transfer two or three days later if they hadn't gone to blastocyst. And of course, then they stim her with more drugs and it just, you know, it kept on, you know. Getting a battering. Yeah, getting, and it wasn't doing, you know, it just didn't work basically. Anyway, our funds were dwindling and we needed to find a cheaper source of doing IVF. And we had, so we had to go abroad, basically. We were already contemplating it, donor eggs. We were at that stage yeah. contemplating donor eggs and we needed to go abroad because uh, it was a third of the price, basically. Wow. Um, and we were literally, this is our last shot. If this doesn't work, then, you know, donor. we're out. We're out, of, we're out of money. We're out of emotional resource. You know, we're out of everything. Um, how did you find this doctor? We spoke it to was, about three doctors. It was my sister in law. She, in fact, most of this stuff came from my sister in law's a dentist, so she meets a lot of people. And so she was constantly, she was the one who's, oh, my friend had interlipids, got pregnant naturally. Oh, my oh, friend, right. she did the Chicago yeah, test, got so pregnant. So, yeah, no, it was sweet of her. But um, so she had an uh, Australian friend who'd had five, six rounds of IVF and then went to Greece and had the same problem, I think the uh, lower vein reserve and went to Greece and then had twins first time. Yeah. So we're like, all right, let's try it. So that was where the Greece idea specifically yeah. came from, not just for the sun. No, no, not just for the <laughs> that sun. That was a bonus. Uh, I mean, we looked at a place in, um, we looked at two places in Greece, yeah. a place in the Czech Republic, and we investigated a couple of places in Spain, but actually the Spain ones were quite expensive. Yeah. Um, and the nice thing about it was like, every time you went in for an appointment in the UK, 
it's like 250 quid 200 pounds to you know this this guy skyped us on a sunday on a in sunday his, in his own time <laughs> and we're like oh well what do you he goes oh you don't ask anything you know i just wanted to meet you and get to know your story free consult- they all all the greeks all, do free you know, consultations um and we, we just got on really well with him. And then basically we, we spoke a bit more and then he goes, okay, well, let me look into it. And then we spoke to him again. He goes, right, I be-, he first of all said, I believe I can help you. Because we told him all the, everything, basically our whole story. Sent him all our notes. Sent him all of our notes, you know, and emailed them all and he looked over them all for, you know, he didn't charge us for it. He just basically did an yeah. investigation for us. And then he goes, right, well, I, I really believe I can help you. But first of all, you need to disbelieve everything that you've been told by IVF doctors up to this point. So, and it was, he was a complete role reversal. So he basically yeah, said... That, sorry to interrupt you, but the thing that swayed us was basically when he told us what he thought we should do, it matched up with what we'd researched yeah, and decided exactly. we wanted to do. He basically said, you know, this is what the problem is. I think where I should be stimming you really low uh, and basically putting your body through as little stress as possible and to try and make the few follicles that you're getting, you know, in the best possible condition without, you know, really pumping them hard full of drugs. And we're like, oh yeah, that's kind of what we believe too. And he goes, uh, the other thing is, is that we believe in freezing the embryos, whereas in the UK they didn't. They believe freezing the embryos was a worst negative quality, thing to do yeah. and it led to worse qualities. He was like, the the level of the level of science now is so amazing, and, and that the UK showing. is actually really far behind that freezing them is actually a really good thing to do. But it means we can stimulate at a really low rate and basically harvest your eggs. So you can come here two, three, four, five, six times. And if you only get one egg at a time, then we'll get that one egg and in the best possible get it condition. Get it to blastocyst, freeze it, come back again. But that was so his point. He wanted blastocyst. He didn't want to just yeah, use any old egg yeah, like the UK was like, you got two eggs? Oh, that's it. We'll just whack them back in, you know. Who cares about the money it costs to put it back in, the trauma through having to wait, see if it works. We'll just stick in, you know, semi-grade eggs. Whereas he was like, no, we want blastocyst. So if it takes a few times of collecting, we'll get you some blastocyst. Even if it's one blastocyst per go or one every two goes, and then we'll go with the blastocysts because there's no point putting them back in if we don't think they're going to even have a chance. So how many times did you end up getting harvest? Twice. So he, we, he told us to go three times. Yeah, we, we wanted to basically get six blastocysts <laughs> to give us our range. So the first time because we he also went, no, But he also said, Katya, how old are you? He's yeah. like, if this works, you get pregnant, you have babies. Do you want to have another baby? And I was like, yeah. He's like, well, so don't you think it's better to have some extra blastocysts? Because you've got to think to the future. Because you're not going to want to have to go through it at an older age. Your, your body's getting older. And of course, with lower vein reserve the quality's going down so he actually encouraged us not just to get more to have a better chance but to have for another go later in the future which is great because yeah. we've still got three frozen yeah. ones for yeah. when we decide we want another one yeah anyway i haven't got to that little surprise sorry, bit sorry uh, <laughs> ruin it anyway so the first time we went there i think he had you know five follicles and then we got two eggs no 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 isn't no. it I had like nine. Basically, it blew all the UK results yeah, out of the water. Smashed it. Yeah, the amount of eggs collected, the amount of eggs that fertilised, and then the fact that two went two, to blastocyst. So for, after the first cycle, two went to the nice thing, uh, and then two went to blast grade A blastocyst. These two. Uh, the nice thing that 
the nice thing about it is you're going away from about doing it. You think, right, you have to you have to be fairly flexible in your timescale because, you you know, in the whole ovulation process. And then you're seeing a doctor in the UK who's monitoring you. Every few days. And then yeah. you're in contact with this particular doctor in Greece. And he goes, right, uh, we're at day five, let's say, and your progression at this rate. I need you out here on day eight or nine to take them out on day 12 for example so you need to have a degree of flexibility but you kind of know when it's roughly going to come but you need to be within a day or two to be able to quickly book flights and shoot off to Greece but very quickly when you're there because you feel like you've suddenly gone on holiday you're automatically so much more relaxed about Mm. the process and they're just so much nicer to you yeah they don't treat you like a number like they do here you go to greece and we were in athens and we airbnb the place so you can get cheap pretty cheap right in the center airbnb the place like 35 euros a night i was gonna say i had to book last minute flights to athens uh, a few months ago because of a fuck up um (laughs) my fuck up and um that was really expensive that summer that was like 700 yeah. quid. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, you're saying you can book last minute, like expensive. We had the bonus of oh, air yeah, miles. Yeah. I yeah. shop at Tesco's a lot. So I would encourage everybody to shop at Tesco's a lot yeah, and miles, use an yeah. American Express card at all available opportunities because basically there's loads of air mile seats to Greece. So we only ever paid like 50 quid. Was organising it quite hard work? Uh... <laughs> so long ago now how did you organize it around work as well oh well luckily i work for myself so yeah i can completely if someone had a full-time job yeah it's true and i was working really uh, with someone who was very understanding basically you'd have to have very you, understanding you, you only go out you know for four days at a time and quite lucky both times were sort of half over a weekend so i only really missed a couple oh, of days yeah. Of work no, yeah every time. time it was over a weekend we were incredibly yeah. lucky that's amazing. And so, just to clarify, the first time you had a transfer in Greece was successful? Yeah, well, then we went back again. So we, no, uh, we first had two collections. And then they were frozen. And then we went back again uh, and we got three frozen embryos. Uh, blastocysts. Blastocysts. Um, and we were like, oh, well, you said you wanted six. Oh, we need to come back one more time. The doctor was like, no, you've got five. That's loads. That's way more than I ever thought. At- <laughs> you know, we never thought we would get to this point. Not even one blastocyst. I and mean, that was sa- like a dream. And then he said, you know, go home, relax. And once your body is recovered, we'll prep you for transfer, which is a completely different thing again, because you're not doing all the stim drugs. You're doing a load of other, you know, but less intensive drugs. So you're just having all... loads and loads of beetroot juice and pomegranate yeah. juice and just like insane amounts of red <laughs> vegetables. You're literally describing my life right now. Yeah. So you <laughs> automatically you feel want, yeah. a lot more relaxed because you know you've got to a point where it's already really positive. And the one thing about it throughout all the IVF process, they always said that Katia's body was really, you know, her lining was always really thick. Uh, certain, I don't really understand that bit, but um, so her body was always really well prepared to receive. It was just difficulty, you know, getting them, you know, to get them uh, out, I suppose. So we knew that by then we got her, we're having a pretty good chance. And then when it came to the transfer, we were allowed to put up to two in. Uh, and as she had gone under to go in and have the procedure, the doctor turned around to me and goes, are you sure you want to have two put in? I don't want to say this, but you know, they're good eggs high chance you might end up having twins and of course you still haven't had them yet so you're like well you don't want to say no because 
I wasn't put under to have them. Well, I don't know. Put under to take them out. um, But you still had to go into the theatre, didn't you, to have them put in? And then the difference in Greece is so over here, they're like, okay, sit down for half an hour, then bugger off. In Greece, he was like, right, I don't want you to move for two days. No, even in the thing, didn't you have to pee on the floor? Oh, God. Yeah. After they put the eggs in. Uh, embryos, sorry. They don't want you to move at all. So I didn't pee on the floor. There's a bucket under the bed. But basically, you have to stay lying down from when they put the embryos back. And if you need to pee, you just pee and it falls into this bucket on the floor, which is very hard. It's really hard to make yourself pee when you're lying in bed. Is it like when you try and pee in the sea? Yeah. And your body's yeah, like, no. just like that. Yeah, this is wrong. <laughs> um, and yeah, and so I stayed, where was it? It was a couple of hours I had to stay in the hospital after they put yeah, the, um, yeah. and then he was like, go straight home and do not, only get out of bed to go to the toilet. And even then, go really slowly. Yeah. So Oscar was on slave duty, yeah. getting me all the food and stuff. Yeah, and oh, it was great. Yeah. I was just like, give me loads of yummy food. Yeah. So where did you get your meds from? Because Asta. That- Asda. Asda. Okay. <laughs> they do the cheapest in the country. That's interesting. We've heard that from someone else as well. Yeah, they um, they have a thing that they won't... I'm doing air quotes there. They won't um, make a profit off IVF drugs. Which is lovely for a company owned by Walmart. <laughs> That's really interesting. So, uh, like, sorry to pry, but how much did it actually end up costing doing it in, in Athens? So... Unfortunately, the price has gone up. But when we did it, so I did all the calculations for all our flights, the Airbnb, the drugs, blah, blah, blah. It cost us £6,000 for two lots of collections and putting them back. Yeah, yeah. It cost exactly. Us, and for one and a half <laughs> failed round, it cost us 13 and a half. Holy moly. And that doesn't, uh-huh. um, you know, if you think all the, other, we're, all the other tests we went at, all the other clinics in the UK, all the other costs that you do to try and get yourself to that you know we probably spent in it nearly probably close to 30 grand I reckon, in total. oh it goes up every time you mention it would. it was it <laughs> would just felt like a never-ending we had to borrow money from the family you know mm. to help us get there and what would you say um you know what were the biggest challenges i guess of doing it in greece for like us a, there wasn't any i say if, if like it was for anyone else it'd be getting the time off work yeah when I mean, but literally, I think I had two days off work each collection, and it was November and it was January, January so and then we went back out in February, was that yeah, February 6th. Yeah, yeah, yeah. didn't feel it generally didn't feel like a challenge at all going out there. It no. felt more, it felt more it's relaxing, exciting. it felt more stressful going to the clinic and sitting there and waiting endlessly. Whereas there, we were you know, you we were really well catered for. They knew as soon as we walked in the door that we'd arrived and, you know, he sent up his assistant to come and greet us. And Yeah, it's interesting because I think um, me and my husband are thinking about if our NHS round fails, going to Greece and maybe even taking six months out and just moving there and having a bit of an adventure. A couple of months. I want six months on the beach. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, you're not supposed to, I don't think you're supposed to sunbathe when you've um, put embryos back. Yeah, you're not supposed to get too hot. Sorry. Can't get too hot. Yeah, so we, uh, when Cassie was (laughs) relatively early pregnancy, weren't you? And then... When what? Yeah, no, I think it's somewhere, when we were in Italy and you couldn't go to... No, that was was the one that failed. I got chemical pregnancy. Oh, yeah. It's just, oh, another 
horrible. Find like the first time you ever see a positive on a pregnancy test, and then you find out that actually it was never going to happen. That's actually my worst nightmare. Oh, it was. It was. I. I was sobbing over there on the floor. Just felt like I was going to give up. I just couldn't handle it anymore. Um, well, our podcast is called Big Fat Negative, and it's actually it'd be quite nice to hear your story of getting your big fat positive this time. <laughs> well, yeah, no, well, I I remember it because Oscar was like, "Don't test yet, don't test," because there's a certain number of days you're supposed to leave it. But a friend of mine who's also going through IVF, who now has her lovely baby, um, she was like, "Oh, go on, I've always done it early. Go on, just do it, just do it." And like, she, so she planted it. I was like, "No, I can't," because you know, if it comes up negative, then I won't know if it's negative because it's negative, or if it's negative because it's too early. But in the end, basically, I did it, and there was a really, really faint positive. And Oscar's like, "Don't get your hopes up. No, I don't want to see it. No, 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 you shouldn't have no. done it." <laughs> like, I, d- I even, uh, I literally refused to believe it until the baby was born. I, I did a test even like every day. Even like this, until I had those babies in my arms, I couldn't, I couldn't believe it was actually. No. It was really bizarre. Even though like the positive was there, and then no, I was so like, there was oh. no foot massage and stuff because you wouldn't believe I was pregnant despite my big belly. And then I was like, oh, the twelve weeks. I can't do anything until the twelve weeks, and then the twelve weeks comes along. I was like, no, it's eighteen weeks. Fear. Eighteen weeks. I can't. You know, ah, oh, five months. I've had people miscarrying at five months, and I couldn't. Relax. relax through it until they were born safely and yeah totally safe but and then um, a whole different stress starts. but yeah I, I literally I just story. test I think I tested if not at least once a day it could have been twice a day for the first two weeks and then when it's time to go for the HCG you know the blood test the pregnancy I went and did that every two days. The doctor's like, okay, stop now. You don't need to keep testing. I'm like, no, 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 I need to make sure they're doubling. Because <laughs> I was going to this private clinic that was like really cheap anyway compared to um, all the other private clinics. And um, yeah, he's like, you can stop, Catty. I don't need to keep here because I was sending him to the guy in Greece. He's like, you're pregnant, okay? <laughs> like, you're definitely pregnant. <laughs> and he's like, and it's pretty high, so it's probably twins. <laughs> like, ah! So, I mean, that is one of the criticisms that we've heard of clinics abroad is that they encourage you to put two embryos back. Was that your choice or did you... Oh, that was entirely our choice. 100% our choice. He encouraged me not to do it. He said, think, he said, really think because you're going to, there's a high chance you'll end up with twins. So really think about whether you want to do this. Mm. That's good to hear. Um... I've actually got a bit of a question for you, Oscar, because we've never had a man on the show before. And one of the things we often talk about is that men are generally forgotten in the process. I'd be good to hear what your experience was and what you might say to other guys going through it. Yeah, it's, 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 um, it's a, to be honest with you, for a man, it's a pretty lonely journey um, because... You have to be there, like Mr. Supportive, Mr. Positive, Mr. Motivated for your partner and for the situation. But I didn't have anybody to talk to about it, and there were some pretty dark places. I had a lot of IVF friends. Um, I didn't have anyone. So, and there was times when, yeah, it was. I we got. I got to a point where I I was the one who was saying I can't do this anymore. Um, before we went to Greece, I was like, if this doesn't work, I'm out. That's it. I'll, I'll adopt. I'll do anything. I just I can't keep going on this monthly roller coaster um, of emotion. <clears throat> but you don't want to say that. I don't want to say that to Katia because you know I didn't want to make her life even harder. So yeah, it was a pretty. It was a pretty long, lonely, 
And then friends, all your friends are getting pregnant oh, right and centre. With their third children. With their first, second, Since you third started children. trying. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, you, you try and be... It didn't... It, yeah, it got to the... You know, even like, you know, you go on a, the next stag do or the next party and you're just like, I don't want to be here. I, don't, I just don't want to... I don't want to be out. I don't want to... You know, so for the last kind of... Particularly the last two years... I mean, for the first, that you're really positive and really motivated and trying to get everything going but after sort of year three what's the matter after year three i mean to be honest with you once these two arrived it's, it's all forgotten um but the journey to get well, it there, takes a while to even believe once they're born it still yeah. took and a little while to even, sink in even when i had three uh three I did, you do eventually find, here are the stories of people going through IVF. Um, and you think, oh, maybe I'll, 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 I'll find time to speak to this person. But I just never really kind of built up the confidence. I don't know if it's about the confidence. I don't know, it's difficult to, you know, what men are like when it's speaking about their emotions and all the rest of it. So We do. Yeah, I'm sure you do. So it was difficult to sort of break down the barriers to, to want to find the... To go and talk to somebody about it. there's no support or you think any, they had like a partner support or, network yeah there was no sort of partner support and now when I speak to other couples who are going through it I always say to the guy look mate if you ever want to speak about it here's my number you know let's just meet up and have a pint or a coffee or a <laughs> something not alcoholic or coffee or whatever <laughs> it is and you know let's just talk about it about how you're feeling and what you can do but I never hear from any of them you know, so it's kind of like <coughs> it's probably just a male thing. I don't know, but I would do I would do anything I could to help other people in this position. Um, yeah, but it's it's not. I don't know. It's difficult. It's not. A... Okay, guys. Well, I I feel like we've um, taken up a lot of your time. So just that we've just got one last oh, question, God, which I'm is just give me surface. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I just started. No, I could talk about it for ages. What What would your advice be to other couples who are considering doing IVF abroad? Well, definitely take them up on the free consultation. And if they don't do a free consultation, like I think in Spain they don't tend to actually, then maybe go for the ones that do. Um, they just they made it really personal and catered towards us. So it was it was so much easier to. I felt a lot more relaxed with um, the guys abroad. Um, but it's like all these things. If you're going to do it, you know, really dedicate yourself to doing it and commit yourself to it and. Um, and make the most of experience. I mean, we have sent other people out there and unfortunately they haven't had the success that we've had. So again, it is, the difficulty thing is, it's just because we say it worked for us abroad, don't, you know, pin your hopes on it. Like we pinned our hopes But at least it's cheaper on, and you can have more goes. Yeah, don't pin your hopes on, oh, it's definitely going to work. But the thing is, because it, it is so much more affordable and you're getting, yes, yes, you're getting a mini holiday out of it. It's kind of, you know... It's worth doing. It's Especially worth since, doing. yeah, it takes on average three three goes. And we are almost exactly that, three goes to get pregnant with IVF because it takes that long for, your, for the doctor to figure out what drugs really do work with your body. And so we did four cycles. One was cancelled, so that is practically three. I mean, fourth time lucky. So, yeah, um, other than that, I'd say definitely start um, saving air miles if you're going to do it abroad pickers if you need to book last minute flights and it's not the summer BA have very good availability on their air miles so that's a way to save money okay 
Um, and I suppose, actually, more broadly, have you got any IVF tips for people just starting out on that? Journey? Oh my God, there's so many. <laughs> <laughs> there is so many. Obviously, cutting out all the fun stuff like caffeine and alcohol, increasing your protein intake up to 70 grams a day, eating as many leafy greens as possible, making your own beetroot juice, taking a small pharmacy's worth of supplements. To people who are starting out, that um, patience is really important. It's a, it's a journey. You know, in effect, you've only got 12 goes a year, 12 to 13 goes a year to try and get pregnant. Depends, so yeah. you can't think that it's, you know, going to happen. You've got to be, you know, find out the issues that are particularly relating to your circumstance and and do everything you can research the dirt and do everything you can um Uh, to make it happen it's just not good you know positive it sounds so cheesy and awful but i got the marissa peer book um and i think there is a lot there's a lot in it and believing it's going to happen especially after you've had a few goes you're just like this is never going to happen you need to have the mindset that is going to happen otherwise it won't so (laughs) Well, guys, thank you so much for being on. You're welcome. It's been an absolute joy to meet Mara and Wolfie. Thank you. Thank you guys. <laughs> <They're> making loads <laughs> of noise. <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Really long. Thank you. I'm, I'm you know, delighted to talk to you about that. Now it's time for Old Wise Tales. Fact or Fiction. Um, we're talking to, actually, when I say we, what I mean is you're talking to mm. Professor Tim. I did. I spoke to Professor Tim Child about running. Okay. And whether or not it's safe to do so when you're TTC and doing IVF. Now, we talked about this a little bit last week, didn't we? Because we were talking, we had our stress episode. Yes. Um, and we're, I mean, you're a, like, semi-pro runner. I, I would definitely would not say that. <laughs> a vast exaggeration um, <laughs> but I do enjoy a run and I run two miles twice a week oh that's more than I run okay as in I haven't been for a run for over a week okay so you're doing better than me well um when I say I run two miles twice a week I mean I try to that's what you do in your head yeah when you yeah 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 absolutely yeah. okay fine well I run at least once I run 10k once a week <laughs> <laughs> at least but it does I think it helps us both to kind of decompress a bit. Yeah, definitely. But then there's always, uh, there was a bit of worry about whether that would actually negatively affect your chances because it creates cortisone stress hormones in your system. Yeah. Um, So we wanted to kind of put that to Presser Tim and see what he had to say. Yeah. And he seemed quite chill, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah, cool. So take it away, Professor Tim. I think there's no reason why people should avoid exercise when trying to conceive. Uh, It's better to be healthy than not healthy. Some women, if they're doing uh, certainly more extreme levels of sport, so for instance, you might be training for a marathon, etc., that can lead to very low uh, levels of body fat, and that can lead to then an absence of ovulation, absence of periods, which if that's happening, obviously that can affect fertility. So when we see patients coming in, where lack of ovulation is a problem, one of the things we'll be looking at is whether uh, or the amount of high-intensity exercise that the woman is doing. And it'd be well recognized that if the woman is too thin, that that can be linked to lack of ovulation. But, But a woman could also have a body mass index in the normal range 
but she's doing a lot of high intensity exercise and she's at the gym every day she's, she's doing a lot of aerobic exercise then that can switch off ovulation in some ways it's, it's nature trying to protect um, things it's trying to make sure that a woman is in an ideal um, health range so I think if there's a lack of ovulation and the woman is doing a lot of exercise it makes sense to try and back off from that exercise in terms though if the woman's got regular cycles and and, and enjoys running as, as a just keeping fit and also perhaps as a as a relaxation there's absolutely no reason to stop doing that i suppose there's always an extreme if someone's idea of running is um you know doing many many miles as i said training for a marathon and you're getting into treatments such as IVF, then it probably would make sense to reduce that. And that's partly because during the IVF, the ovaries will be stimulated, they'll be enlarged, and it may not be a good idea to be sort of pounding the pavements for miles and miles during an IVF cycle. Okay, so say a short run isn't going to increase your levels of stress hormones? No, I think quite the opposite, in fact. So I think if, again, if people feel, if people enjoy going out for a, a run or a jog then it would be better to do that than to than to not do that and knowing my patients it's something that they it helps them relax and probably sitting at home being told that they shouldn't be going out doing exercise might cause more worry and stress to them than doing something they actually enjoy and again for which there's no evidence it's going to cause any harm at all. Right, okay. Um, um, we've heard that running can help to regulate ovulation. So is that something that you'd recommend for people with PCOS? Um, you can see anything, really. I mean, for, for some women who have polycystic ovary syndrome, then the, the, the thing that's stopping them ovulate, if they have ovulation problems, is the way their body handles the hormone insulin. And um, certainly exercise in some women will help alter their insulin levels, and that may be enough for them if they have PCOS to actually help kickstart ovulation. But it's very variable. Uh, you know, for many women with PCOS, if they are overweight, then being overweight pushes their insulin levels up, and that can switch off ovulation. So that's why the, the first line of um, you know, treatment for a woman with ovulation problems who's got PCOS, who is overweight, is to really try hard to get some of that weight off. There are a number of studies showing that if women who are overweight with PCOS lose uh, 10% or so of their body weight, then a high proportion of them will actually conceive naturally. So if there is a woman with PCOS who's overweight and and she starts to do running or some exercise, then the reduction in weight may help get her ovulate. But I think also just the fact she's doing exercise can help alter insulin levels and again could get her ovulating and help improve her fertility. Thanks Professor Tim, that's really helpful. Okay, we're done. That's it guys. (laughs) It's over. (laughs) It's over for another week. It is over for another week. We'll see you next Tuesday. We will. Um, but in the in the meantime, I forgot to mention at the top of the show, I've got an article going in the pool this week. Way. Maybe today. Emma's going swimming in the pool. You should yeah. go swimming there too. Please share it with all your friends so they ask me to write again. What's it about, Emma? It's about um, my infertility journey mm-hmm. and how Instagram changed it. Oh my God. I know. Oh my God. Yeah. Look out for that, guys. It's going to be brilliant. It is. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 